With such a dramatic shift in the market taking place over the last several weeks, James decides to put Team Swayze to the test by pulling some predictions out of how. Who knows? I'm a very conservative person. I never would have said, oh yeah, that house will be worth 20% more in five years. But they are. I mean, I just get surprised all the time. JT. Rents are just like housing prices. They have gone up over time. So the moral of the story is buy a house as soon as you can. And Jay. There might be 300 properties on the market for sale, but they're all going to close in 10 days. So you've got three cycles within another month. So there's 900 properties. The traditional market is 1,150 properties. So we're transacting an average amount of homes. There's just no inventory on the market at the time people are looking. There's, it's just happening so fast, you're missing it. It's the six-month crystal ball real estate forecast. Let's get into what the future holds. Or at least some educated guesses with the Slow County Real Estate with Hal Swayze podcast. Here's host, James Bueno. Hello, Hal. Hello, James. JT is here. Glad to be back. And Mr. JP from Keller Williams. James, good to see you. And of course, I am James, uh, Hal's uh, right-hand marketing guy. I want you guys to get out your crystal balls and tell me some things for the future. Uh, in your opinion... Uh, what's going on at third and fourth quarter? What's going to happen? What should we expect? What should we expect in the third and fourth quarter? Hmm. If you would have asked me this last year, I would have said probably more of the same. Um, I didn't see any reason things might change. We didn't know what was going to happen to interest rates. If you would have asked me, hey, are we going to see prices bump up 10 15%, 20%, maybe in the first quarter of this year, 2022, I would have said probably not going to happen. And if you would have asked me, hey, are mortgage rates going to go from like 3% to 5 or 55 to 6%, I would have said probably not going to happen. So my answer is I have no clue. <laughs> that's, that's a great answer. That's, yeah. that's honest. That's a great, yeah. Yeah. True. So I, I would say, though, if I were to be a gambling person or whatever, that mortgage rates are probably going to be higher in the next five to six months. I don't think that's going to change. If I were to guess, and this is just a guess. What would you say they're going to be? Well, I'm going to steal some information because I've been coaching and studying with the most prolific real estate trainer for you know my 30 years plus his 10. So he's been doing it 40 years. And he thought that very likely we could by the end of the year see seven and a half percent mortgage rates, which we haven't seen since probably the nineties. Yeah. Two thousands, early two yeah, thousands. So that's which was kind of normal. You bet. Yeah. So again, contextually it seems like you're kidding me. Historically it's just like, okay, we're almost to average if we get to seven and a half or eight percent. That could slow our demand down. And at some point, like when we do our little market updates this past month, we had about 250 homes, let me get a thing. We had way more homes going into escrow than new homes coming on the market. So we still have demand outstripping supply, but it's not as extreme. So the reason the prices went up so strong in the first quarter is we probably had 10 buyers for every house. We talk about this a lot. We'd have 30 to 70 showings in a weekend on a house. And now we might have a handful of showings the way it used to be. And if I'm a seller, I'm gonna go, if you get an offer, be happy and let's be willing to work with a buyer. Little give and take, which we haven't had to do. So that, that's my two cents. Is this going to fix our um, shortage of available houses to purchase? Yes. It could definitely, it'll likely increase the inventory to a more reasonable level. It's already started just a little bit. So we were 10% up in terms of inventory at the beginning of, or yeah, at the beginning of June versus a year ago. So 10% more homes, which is 26 in the county. That's not very many. Right. Yeah. 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 So that, that doesn't take many people just moving to town or wanting to buy a house to make up the difference. So it doesn't change the shortage at all. And we're not going to build houses fast enough, but it will slow down the pace of sales, which we've already seen. You know, something that's interesting about the pace of sales. And I, I had a conversation um, 
earlier this morning with some of my um, some of my top producing agents down in, in Pismo, and that is that a lot of them, like 40, 40, more than 45% of the homes in San Luis County are non-owner-occupied. And when you're on the coast, a lot of them are second, sometimes even third homes for people. Yes. Well, the money that they're using to buy that, they're liquidating from their uh, portfolio, their stock portfolio. And their stock portfolio has taken such a beating that now they're having to, they're, they're no longer... Um, the buyers that we used to see, they're like backing away or they're, they're not coming in with the, the, the overpriced offer that they used to. They're having to like reach, those that are currently in escrow are having to reach to find funds now. So I think those buyers are gonna actually dry up a little bit in Q3. I don't know about Q4, but I'm already seeing it. So that might lay way to people that wanna buy a home to live in, because that's our biggest problem. People yeah. that work and live here wanna buy a home to live in, and they're being outbid by people that are vacationing here. Yeah, or retiring here, or this is their second home. It's it's decreased the demand from crazy yeah. Yeah. to more normal, so we don't have these huge jumps in prices, right? Which we all knew was unsustainable. Yeah, right? I mean, twenty seven percent appreciation year over year. No, yeah, seven is a good solid number. When I see twenty seven, I I freak yeah. out a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, what's yeah, yeah. what's next? Yeah, yeah. I, I talked on the last podcast the difference between a speculator and an investor. And an investor, by definition, is long-term and goal-oriented. So what happens as an, as an investor, which is what I hold myself to be, I don't really care what happens in the next six months. You know, let's say I bought a house recently for $800,000 and I wake up in six months and it's worth $700,000. Should I care? I mean, I probably will because my emotions will get the best of me. But should I care? No. And the, do you, do you yeah. care that your car is worth less than what you paid for it? Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, I, first of all, I'm not going anywhere. Right. My my spouse loves the house, and she gets to decorate it the way she wants to decorate it. it it's, it's more than an investment in a house. It's our home. We live there. We're secure there. We're in the neighborhood we want for the schools that we wanted for our children. So I don't really care. Now, if I'm uh, looking to buy right now, then I'd probably be more interested in what's going on with the market, right? Mm -hmm. And wish I could buy a crystal ball and tell me what to do. But the only thing I know to do from history is to buy a stinking house as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know, obviously I won't be right because last year I was probably wrong 50% of the time. But if rates go from five and a half now to six, maybe they're closer to six today. It changes so fast. Um, you know, at the end of the year, if, if this gentleman, Mike Ferry, is right, then it's seven and a half percent. Okay, um, am I more concerned with what the dollar value of my house is, even though I'm not going to sell it, or am I more concerned with my payment? And I'd much rather be at six than seven and a half. Okay, and if the market slows down enough, you know what they're going to stop doing is the rates will they'll stop raising the rates, which is what they're trying to get to. So if you can weather the bumps or whatever, and they're not even bumps because you know what your payment is, I wouldn't be as concerned about it. But again, you know. Trying to predict when things are going to go up or down, that's a tough one. Yeah. What's going to happen with the renting rates? Well, um, you, you know, it appears, and, and we talked a little bit last uh, podcast about the big investors, it appears that a fewer people, I mean, a lot more people can get into the market when their rate's at 35 or 3%. When it goes to 5 and you're on the border, you either have to buy less house or don't buy at all. So if that reduces that, people still need a place to live. So that means there's going to be more people renting. Home ownership had gotten pretty high, and now it's probably going to drop down because the affordability between prices and interest rates. So it's going to be tougher to be a renter in terms of I mean, rents will likely rise because the demand for housing is still there. 
regardless of what people buy and sell houses for, the demand for a place to live is not going down. When COVID first hit in March of 2020 and kids started going home from Cal Poly, I thought to myself, hey, this is going to impact the, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the rental rates in San Luis Obispo. And yeah, it did, but not the way I thought. I think I think <laughs> I think rental uh, rates today are twenty to twenty five percent higher than uh, at the start of COVID, and I would have thought they would have gone the other way. So I'm a, I'm as good at predicting the future as you are, Hal. <laughs> We're on the same boat. Yeah, it's just fascinating because there's just you know San Luis Obispo. I used to say this a long time ago is is what like a thinly traded stock, which means there's just not many shares. So we have this small housing market. And we have a lot of people competing for that small housing market. So it just makes it valuable. You know, aluminum used to be really expensive before they learned how to make it cheaply or whatever. But like it's gold is like more valuable than like silver. So so if I can go housing in San Luis Obispo, not room to build much. We don't have much more water. You know, it's not like going to expand out versus you go to Bakersfield and housing is easier to recreate. You just can't recreate it here. Right. Mm, so great point. It, it'll it's going to put that that's what keeps it strong and from fluctuating much, which is the things people worry about. Again, you can control your rate, the house price. You really can't. But the limited supply makes it a good place to be. I think you just came up with a new slogan. What's that? San Luis Obispo County, the gold standard of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say aluminum. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to say the little slice. Get your yeah. sli- get your yeah. slice. Right? Yeah, that's, that's pizza. <laughs> no, that's pastrami, oh, right? Okay. Princess Bride, yeah, pastrami. No, I think that's good. The gold yeah. standard of real estate. Yeah. Way to go, Hal. Yeah. All right. I mean, you think about it, though. You, you guys talk about, like, you know, we've been comparing over the last several podcasts the difference in the bubbles of uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, all that, and, and what's happening today. You talk about this market, and how, how did this market hold up against the valley markets in the in the in the big real estate crash of 2008 i mean it held up here right and, it, and over there it was it was tough oh great question yeah so we did not have the drops that they did now there were drops you know 20 30% and and specific houses you know like i gave an example a few podcasts ago about this folks that bought 2006 their house downtown to or on Sydney Street, two bedroom, one bath for like 560. Well, now it's going to sell for like $900,000. They bought it at the top of the market. Okay. So, so that aside, um, it didn't go down much for a couple of reasons. Very few people had to sell. Okay. That's one thing. Two, when the market goes down, there are still people that like to buy when the prices go down, when everybody else is afraid. So they would pick up any distressed properties, which we had very few. And three, rents were always very solid. The other thing is we don't have many like we don't have big industry here, so it's not like a factory shut down or something happened where everybody lost their job. So if you keep your house and you have a reasonable payment, you can rent it out so you don't ever have to be in a position where you have to sell. And if you look at how homes have been purchased, how the loans have been underwritten, these are solid, solid situations where it's highly unlikely we're going to get a lot of desperate people. So that, that, that bodes well for values being supported. I just remember, you know, thinking back to that time, people just by the hundreds walking away from their houses in, in you know the Stocktons and the Mercedes of the world where oh yeah I mean just walking away just right. leaving a house and people coming in and squatting in it I mean it, it was it was chaos yes. that did not happen here in fact it was a it was I mean I don't know if I'm using the right terminology but it was a small dip I mean it was like I remember we thought we contemplated it was like oh prices go down maybe we should jump in now should have 
looking back, you right. talk about your DeLorean, JT, but uh, you, looking back, we should have jumped in the market then, but then it, it didn't like, it, it, we had an eight month window where we regretted it, and then after that, we just continued on with renting until we were secure enough to, to buy. That's interesting because in my business, right, so that was 2008, 9, 10, you know, there were a lot of real estate brokers and I networked throughout the country that were going to like be what we call REO agents, which means you go to Bank of America and you want to be their preferred um, real estate agent because they get properties back through foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And so some of those agents were selling hundreds of REOs a year in Dallas, in Fresno, you know, and all these places. Here, I was an REO account and I'd get one or two a year. Wow. Right. So, and, and there were a few of us, right? So, but it's still the, the number of what we call bank owned REO short sales that was so small compared to many other places, right? So specifically this area holds its value even through the worst recession since 1930, whatever it was, the great depression. So I think John, you had some to add. Well, you know, to go back to James question about rents in, in 1977, I was in grad school here. We rented a four bedroom house for $600 a month. And um, in 2011, the first transaction I did with you, Hal, I bought a house pretty close to Cal Poly, four bedroom house. It rented for $37.50 the first year I owned it. I, I don't have that house any longer, but if I did today, it would rent for 6,000 for a four bedroom house. So you wanna, you wanna ask the question about rents? Rents are just like housing prices. They're, they have gone up over time. And that would be another reason that you'd wanna get in that DeLorean and go back in time to rent a place. So, so the moral of the story is buy a house as soon as you can. Yeah, we talked a little bit about crystal ball. We talked about rent. Um, I purchased the house I'm living in now in 2006. I've been in the real estate business since 2000, and I I couldn't predict that that would be the summer where everything peaked, and I paid way more than the house was worth, more than anybody had ever paid on the street. I was a complete idiot for buying this house at this elevated price, $585,000. It was the only house available in the school district I wanted my kids to go to school in. So we had no choice. Two years later, the house was valued. I got uh, my tax assessment. The value of the house was $383,000. Today, the house was just appraised at 857. So the crystal ball, I mean, I'll leave that to the sticks. Their all-time best song, crystal ball, right? Leave that with them. The reality is, (laughs) the reality is that you don't need one if you're going to buy and hold. You don't need a crystal ball. You came up with another moral to the story. Even idiots can make money in real estate. Thank you, JT, for that vote of confidence. (laughs) And I didn't even know the sticks had that song. So, so Hal, you said you you had no idea what's going to happen in the third and fourth quarter, but everybody's talking about trends right now. Mm -hmm. All three of you are talking about trends. Mm -hmm. You know, according to the trend, I know it's a short term, you know, six months is short. What would you expect is going to happen in the next six months? In what fashion? Are you talking prices? What are we talking about? Prices. I would say they're likely going to be maybe, I mean, the, the, the experts are predicting a 6 or 7% increase. Um, so my perspective, just being here is, wow, we've had a big drop in demand, but we haven't seen a really big drop in supply, or excuse me, in um, pricing by any means. Could have been a little bit, but I, I would say flat to maybe slightly increasing, but, but who knows? I mean, I, I just, I mean, I'm a very conservative person. I never would have said, oh yeah, that house will be worth 20% more in five years, but they are. I mean, I just get surprised all the time because I'm old school, kind of like, it's like you know, I don't live beyond my means by any means. And I look at these prices and go, wow, it's, it's crazy where we are. I would say this, if the market goes up or down, I don't think you should buy a house with the plan to sell it in a year. 
If you do, good for you if you're going to speculate. If that's your job and your professional grade. But if you're, if you're going to buy a house and just plan on being in it for a year, don't buy a house. It's not worth it. But if you want a place to live for the long term and you like living here and you want to have a piece of real estate for the long term, think down the road. And now it's easy for me to say because I'm in pushing 60. So I've seen the value of time and how that works. But when you're 20 or 25 or 30, it's hard to see past that. You got to think long term. The amount of available homes for sale you think is going to keep rising? Oh, the active inventory? The active it's inventory. bound to go up. James, let's talk about you know inventory by the numbers. Uh, you know, inventory at its lowest point was somewhere, don't, don't quote me exactly, around 200 properties in the county. You know, it's up just right close to 300 today. So we're saying inventory's up, inventory's up. But to bring that into perspective, in 2011, I think it was, as Hal said in a previous podcast, it was, it was about just under 1,200 houses on the market. And, and there was a time that I remember in the mid-90s, and don't quote me on this, I think it was closer to 2,000 houses on the market in this county. So we got 300 houses. That's still not a lot of inventory. And as the industry experts that I've listened to recently have said, that in order to get to normal inventory is not going to take a matter of months. It's going to take a matter of years. What's the number that's normal? What would you say the number for San Luis Obispo County? Say, once we hit that number, we're normal. 600, 1,000, 10,000? Well, like well, what? I, I, well, there's all sorts of definitions, and there's no normal. But there's seller's markets and buyer's market. And I think a balanced market has been quoted as like average days on the market is 90 days. I think the uh, like a, a seller's, a buyer's market is inventory that's on the market for six months or more, which I have never seen right. in our area. So a balanced market, I think you're right. Also right in that 90, that three month mark. 90 days, which yeah. would seem like an eternity now. Because yeah. we're coming off six days, 10. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I show people the comps and I just have this little list and days on the market. They're single digits. I mean, come on. That's never, ever happened. Right, people take longer to buy a car than six yeah. days, and that's right? an average. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there is no normal, but I would say it's we always look at how many properties are going off the market, okay, and how many properties are coming on the market. That's what we look at. So it's it's months, days, weeks supply of homes. So right now we've gone from on average seven to ten days worth of supply in any given price range if you're in a neighborhood to might be three to four weeks now. So it's still like a third of what's even normal. But right. still a buyer's market. I mean, a seller's market. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, still a Trust seller's me. market. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, since we're all in the real estate industry, and if I meet somebody I don't know and they find out that I'm working with Hal, they always ask me, well, tell me about the real estate market. And one of the real estate experts that I subscribe to, I heard him say in the last couple of weeks that there are two markets in real estate. One is pricing. And the other is the number of properties that are transacting. So when you think about the market today, as you said a, a few weeks ago, Jay, last year we had a record number of transactions. So you wouldn't say the market is soft on transactions, would you? No, not at all. I wouldn't, wouldn't say there's a bubble on transactions. Well, there might be 300 properties on the market for sale, but they're all going to close in 10 days. You know, so you've got three cycles within a thirty month, with a thirty day, within a month, right? So there's nine hundred properties. The traditional market is eleven hundred and fifty properties. So we're transacting an average amount of homes. We're just there's just no inventory on the market at the time people are looking, and that's what makes them feel like, well, there's nothing happening. There's it's just happening so fast. You're missing it. 
Yeah, we had a record year last year. We're going to be down a little bit this year, and the predictions are this is going to be the third biggest transaction year in the history of the real estate market. Yeah, I, I think those 27% annual year-over-year increases are definitely going to take – I think it will slow down in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, I'm, I'm with Hal. I think that you know 7 to 10% appreciation across the county because some areas are appreciating at a much faster rate. I think uh, when I pulled the numbers yesterday, like the South County was at a stable 7%, but San Luis was at 27% with a median price of $1.12 million. I mean, holy smokes. Paso Robles has had huge gains as well. Uh, but the Scenic Coast is, you know, got a moderate gain like 12 percent because they'd already been so elevated they only have a few properties that sell out there every month anyway so one big property can skew the numbers you have to really take the uh, the mean um, median as opposed to the real so when did the decrease in available listed homes start so like you said um, in 2012 there was 1200 in slow county when when did the decrease start in uh, may of 2020 just after COVID had hit this is my memory working here. I think it's good. I, I, I remember seeing 800 plus homes on the market in San Luis Obispo County. So two years ago. So two years ago, we were at 800. And, you know, two months ago, we were at 200. And, and it fluctuates so quickly. I mean, I, you go back to 2018, 2019, those years where, you know, the first quarter, everything went great. And then by May, it was a completely different market. And that was out. There was no COVID. There was no big bumps in rates. You know, just people need a breather sometimes. Right. right? And, you know, like certain homes I see in certain communities, it's like, well, they got to this huge level. And then, then they're kind of stuck there. And it takes a while for the buying public to either adjust to it and or the sellers have to adjust to it. So the sellers have to go, well, let's be patient and see if the next buyer comes around. They go, no, I want to hurry it up, so I'm willing to go a little bit lower. And the good news is for most people, if they got less than they thought their neighbors did or they should, they're still making massive gains, right? I try to put it in perspective for property owners. You paid 580 for the house. You put 200 into it. That's 780 Okay. Now you've paid down some principal. You've got tax write-ups. You've got all that. But regardless of any of that, now you're going to sell it for a million two instead of a million two fifty. How many other things should you have done and done that well? Right. And then, you know, if John would drive this home, he'd go 580. How much did you put down? So maybe you put down 200,000. Right. So 580 minus a million two is what? No, excuse me, 780. So it's 800. That's about $400,000. Right. In gain. But you put up 200 to make 400. What kind of return is that? It's better than 1%, I know that. I don't know what that number is, but that's a good so, return. So the, the, the question, if I recall, is about the third and fourth quarter, right? right? Yes. And, and how, um, you know, there are other real estate markets in the country where seasonality is, is, a, is a big deal because of the extreme weather that they have in other parts of the country. Here we have the greatest weather in the world. Um, do we have seasonality here? You know, that seems to have gone away. You know, the days when like, oh, we're going to move in May or June because the kids are out of school. Um, We used to definitely see a lull in the number of homes available during the holiday season, October, November, December, um, and the number of sales. But in 2019, 20, and 21, Decembers were like crazy. So it's not so much the, the time of the year that determines the market, it's what's happening in the market. I would jokingly say to people, you know, that remember 2006, it didn't matter what time of year you sold your house, you had a great price. And in 2009, it didn't matter what time of year you sold your house, you didn't get a very good price. We, we don't have as much seasonality. It's more what's happening in the whole market, both locally and nationally. Any other crystal ball uh, 
on well, the third and fourth I'm, quarter? I'm going to say this. It's This is uh, June, right, 2022. So in the fourth quarter, we'll have to look back and see what we came out of our mouths and see how close we were. Okay, so we'll put that in our November. Podcast. Whatever we said, do the opposite. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to practice on being ambiguous going yeah. forward. <laughs> yes. All right, gentlemen, as always, it was a pleasure. Great job. Thank you very much. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the House Swayze podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on housewayze.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. Housewayze.com, that's H-A-L-S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750. Al Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker. DRE number 01111911. The Slow County Real Estate with Hal Swayze podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.